Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Haley Wooden. I'm Tyler Orton. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. So a little later on, Haley, we're going to go to an interview that we did on the Roundhouse radio show with one Greg Tim. He's the chief operating officer over at Pacific Customs Brokers conference going on in downtown Vancouver, all about doing business in the United States. The reason why this is a pretty big deal at this point is because of the ongoing NAFTA renegotiations. He actually reveals a lot of, well, insight about how BC businesses will fare if NAFTA collapses. It might be a little bit different than you expect in this particular situation. But for me personally, I'm kind of sucked into all this trade drama that's going on. And I'm not somebody who'd usually <laughs> say that though. It well it's been a lot of drama and it's hard to ignore and it seems it's sort of like a reality show. It's hard to believe some of the comments that have come out uh, from all sides regarding NAFTA and have to say no end at this point in sight so it sounds like it's going to be a drama that continues yeah, for some time. Yeah, he even has some theories about what Trump really wants to do with NAFTA and kind mm-hmm. of some uh, political strategizing on the part of the Trump administration that when when he spelled it out, I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And it's not something that I've heard uh, posed before. And I was like, OK, well, I can actually see why we're on the path that we are right now. It's not necessarily good for anyone involved, okay. except for somebody who maybe wants to get reelected. I think that's the thing that's drawn so many people into this debate, even if you didn't follow trade before or you don't think you benefit directly too, too much from NAFTA. It's been that a lot of the things being said just don't make sense. And I think people try and understand, OK, what's really at play? What are the discussions really like behind closed doors? Is it as controversial as it is playing out in the public sphere or in media? I don't know. But yeah, that's an interesting interview. We'll yeah. get to that after this break. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, and if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or you can check them out online at manningelliott.ca. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. We are the daily business news program from Business in Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. Business in Vancouver is presenting the 2017 BC CEO Awards on November 8th at the Fairmont Waterfront. Winning CEOs are going to be honored at the gala dinner where each winner will share the leadership lessons with an audience of Vancouver's business community. I hope you can join us for a full list of winners and registration details, visit us at www.biv.com slash CEO. Well, as we prepare for the next round of NAFTA renegotiations, small businesses on this side of the border, well, they're facing uncertainties over the future of trade relations between Canada, Mexico, and the United States. And on November 1st, our next guest will be addressing the Doing Business in the U.S. Seminar in downtown Vancouver He'll be there discussing some of these uncertainties. And with us today is Greg Tim, Chief Operating Officer at Pacific Customs Brokers. Greg, thanks for joining us on the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Is the only certainty uncertainty right now? Well, if you listen to the political rhetoric, it uh, certainly gives us some uh, uh, cause for uh, uh, uncertainty. 
but I can tell you at the ground level, because of the market and because of uh, both the U.S. and Canada economies are are uh, fairly on fire right now, the trade is happening at a greater level than it has previously. So it's still worth it for a lot of these small businesses to look at the U.S. markets, even if, you know, in the future there could be some uncertainty here. Absolutely. There's... Uh, no determination yet of uh, what's going to happen with the, the NAFTA issue. And uh, as we know, the political rhetoric is one thing, but when it actually has to pass through private businesses and whatnot, um, we think this is going to get uh, the actual application of change of duty rates, that kind of thing is going to get uh, kicked down the road uh, quite a bit, possibly into the next uh, election period in the United States. <clears throat> so uh, our, our clients are moving uh, quickly. And what we feel is an increase in uh, cross-border business activity, believe it or not. Well, because I think a lot of businesses are coming to the conclusion that even if NAFTA is set aside, uh, particularly if the president continues down the path of of his rhetoric, and he may need need some diversions here in the next little while, as we can see, uh, (laughs) that uh, that's not the worst case scenario by any means anyway, is it? That's right. And, uh, you know, the United States is the largest economic engine in the world, and it gives Canadians a a unique opportunity because we speak the same language, because of our proximity, because of our uh, common rule of law. It's quite easy for Canadians to uh, venture first into the United States if they're going to sell outside of the country or um, to invest heavily in the United States sales. And, And it's a buoyant market down there right now. And Americans need our products. Well, what are the Americans looking for at this point when we think about the Vancouver market? Who are some of the clients coming to you guys and what's making for good stuff to ship down to that market down uh, south of the border? Well, obviously there's lots going on in the technology world right now and robotics and uh, products. There's lots of things that we do inherently here to feed uh, into some of the larger uh, U.S. corporations. We make bits and pieces that go into Boeing aircraft and into pizza makers and coffee makers and all sorts of things um, on top of our heavy commodity uh, trade. I mean, Canada's always been known for uh, what we grow and what we draw from the ground and water. Um, and uh, that's emerging now. Canada is turning into a manufacturing economy. We have a very educated population, and uh, that is uh, uh, creating quite an opportunity for uh, for Canadians. So what are the advantages from your perspective uh, that a business uh, now can can achieve? Because even though we, we hear and see a lot of this political rhetoric, um, the truth is that these two, that, that our two countries have been finding better and better and smoother and smoother ways with which to do business, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, outside of what you hear in the media, at the ground level, Canadians trade well in the United States. And if you just look at the California market, and that's bigger than all of Canada. So you can very efficiently sell there. You can have a, a staff there or an agency selling on your behalf. You just market uh, quite inexpensively on the sales side and uh, have a huge impact. And that's true in many markets in the United States, in many sub-markets, should I say. So it's uh, it's quite an opportunity for Canada. And they... Uh, American companies and American people like Canadians inherently, and they like Canadian products. 
But let's say, hypothetically, we have some significant changes to NAFTA. Are, are you guys looking at what that could mean for supply chains, trying to rebuild relationships, trying to navigate around what that new reality is going to look like? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're starting to take a look here at you know what may be the changes in duty rates, what is the... What is the tariff between our nations if uh, um, any kind of duty or uh, or fee is put back on? Um, what is the uh, bureaucratic implication? How much more documentation is required to get across the border? Those sorts of things. And the more we look into it, the more we find it quite unlikely um, that that's going to happen. And mostly because in 37 of the 50 states, Canadians are their biggest clients. We buy lots from the United States, and uh, when the political rally uh, rally hits, and people actually have to vote uh, state by state, they're going to say we don't want to cut off Canada. Therefore, we can't cut off Canada in the other direction. Yeah, we've seen numbers that uh, approximate nine or ten million American jobs directly affected by U.S. Canada trade. Clearly, that's not something that any administration wants to start uh, fooling around with. That being said, um, where what kind of advice are you, are you giving um, in terms of your seminar and other places to just be prudent in this time, to, uh, to smartly be ready for adjustment? Yeah, I mean, our, I guess our overriding um, theme is know before you go. And it's uh, good for people to... Uh, do their homework in advance and understand the uh, legal implications, the accounting, tax implications, etc. To know what is uh, required in terms of documentation, um, and just be uh, prepared. Um, and what we find is when when our clients do that diligence, uh, they still want to go. Like it still makes lots of economic sense to sell in the United States. So the theme of our uh, our uh, seminar on Wednesday is just uh, prepare yourself and, and don't be surprised by what happens. Well, our guest today is Greg Tim. He's Chief Operating Officer at Pacific Customs Brokers. He will be speaking at the Doing Business in the U.S. seminar on November 1st. We're talking all about trade between Canada and the United States. And I, I have to ask, though, Tim, when we or Greg, I should say, uh, when we think about Buy America, and there's been a lot of talk about that. We've had a lot of uh, efforts from the Canadian government to work around that do you see that impacting maybe increases in marketplace prices for a lot of goods? Could that impact how you know sought-after Canadian goods are going forward? Well, the premise of Buy America is uh, that if there's any federal government money put into a project in the United States, that it would have to be supported um, uh, just about in full by American uh, labor and companies. Um, and I think uh, personally that's a negotiating stance in the NAFTA agreements. I don't think when it uh, when push comes to shove that uh, the Americans can do without Canadian oil or steel or lots of the major infrastructure products. And a lot of what Canadians sell in the United States is expertise. You know, we're famously strong engineers and architects, um, and uh, we provide a lot of services that are heavily required in the U.S. market. I, I just don't think it's um, a long-term solution. That might be a short-term speaking point, but it doesn't seem like it's going to take fruition. As you know, originally, when the president of the United States uh, initiated uh, the renegotiation, there was some sense 
that perhaps they were going to get a deal in place in time for the Mexican election uh, next spring. That's very clearly uh, unlikely now. Um, what do you see as a timetable, uh, if if you can perceive one, about when there'll be a little bit more clarity about uh, the direction that the three countries are going to take in terms of their trade? There's a deadline coming at the end of this year, um, at the end of December, where the uh, the uh, American administration has to um, make some sort of a decision going forward. So it's likely what's going to happen is the um, the president is, well, likely, possibly, I guess, um, uh, going to announce a formal uh, withdrawal from NAFTA, uh, which means then they have to put a timeline on it in the new year, and they uh, the uh, the administration can put any timeline they want. So they could say, we're going to give this five years to run down or two years to run down. And likely they're going to put it beyond the next uh, U.S. Uh, presidential election because the current administration thinks that's a great speaking point uh, to their base. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want to speak about that the whole time the next election campaign comes up. And, and really this is mostly focused on uh, Mexico, but uh, you know, Canada's wrapped into that and uh, yeah. They've uh, they've really got to focus on uh, inexpensive labor with the uh, auto sector in the United States, and that's that's really the burr in their in their paw. Uh, Canada is just a byproduct of that. So, you think that actually the administration might push the timeline for that beyond, uh, say, the midterm elections, uh, and, yeah. and looks to yes, strictly at really, uh, yeah, yes, we. I mean, we, they may announce quickly that they're going to withdraw, but it still has to go through Congress. Uh, the actual timing of it, and uh, they can kick the, the actual end of the NAFTA agreement uh, as far down the road as they want. So that means they they could announce to withdraw, but the actual duty rates wouldn't start uh, hitting in again until uh, at the conclusion of that period. And, and Greg, there's been talk, though, that maybe Canada and the United States would default to that 1989 trade agreement that we had, but there's a lot of uncertainty about whether that would even be constitutional. Have, have you guys been looking at, I don't know, even just the wording of this 30-year-old trade agreement and, and whether it would be applicable to a lot of what's going on right now? The old FTA. Yes. Yeah. You refer to the U.S.-Canada trade agreement, which was negotiated in 1988, and uh, there is uh, a trigger that has to happen to reinitiate uh, that agreement. Um, it's not all that bureaucratic. I don't think it's likely going to happen. Um, <laughs> but if, the, uh, if NAFTA actually collapses, then that would obviously be our next step to, to try to re-inspire uh, that agreement. And that would be a bilateral agreement between the United States and Canada, not including Mexico. And, you know, it's very outdated. It doesn't address things like service trading and uh, no. and uh, immigration issues and whatnot. So yeah, I, I suppose it's a possible uh, a solution in the short term. Hard to believe that we would be going back to a trade deal that was constructed before there was an internet. Um, the, the the last uh, area that I think is, is worth looking at in this case, Greg, is are businesses regardless having to prepare at the very least for a lot of legal bills and a lot of accounting bills that are that perhaps they didn't foresee a year or two ago because of this uncertain climate. No, there's no app. Uh, there's no um, change to the actual way business is done right now. So we've spent this conversation talking about what if, what if the, the politicians do this or something changes. Right now, there is no change. Now is the time. 
uh, to uh, to start your business in the USA, and there are some some uh, laws. Obviously, you're dealing uh, in a different country, so we have to understand what the uh, United States Food and Drug Administration and USDA uh, require what to what their labor law is. But uh, right now, the it is business as usual, um, and uh, most of what's happened here is a, is a byproduct of 9/11. Quite honestly, it's mostly. Um, trying to understand the supply chain because of the aspect of terrorism. And uh, that went through a difficult patch uh, six or seven years ago when the border thickened up uh, quite a bit and became a lot more unruly uh, because of uh, bureaucratic uh, uh, rules. Uh, But both governments have done a fantastic job of cleaning a lot of that up. So if you're an honest trader that just does what you say you're going to do, the border is not a scary place anymore. Well, Greg, let's uh, stay updated when it comes to these continued negotiations and what the fallout could be. And for now, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much. And we encourage your uh, listeners to go to pcb.ca and go to the DBUSA um, registration. We'd like to get some people in the room for Wednesday. That's excellent. Well, that's Greg Tim. He's Chief Operating Officer at Pacific Customs Brokers, and you're listening to Business in Vancouver on Roundhouse Radio 98.3. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Kirk LaPointe. And that was Greg Tim, Chief Operating Officer of Pacific Customs Brokers. Pretty cool kind of thought process going on there. I, I am curious about where we are going to be maybe a year from now when it comes to NAFTA renegotiations, because the timeline that they've given out for this does not really seem super realistic at this point. So, no, which is originally end of the year, and here we are November. Well, they want it like definitely before Mexican elections in the spring. Yeah. I don't see that being possible, especially when you hear what's coming out of it and that not a lot of movement made on a lot of the things that you would expect from it. Well, no, that's exactly it. All three countries can agree on certain things, like the need to work in something regarding the digital economy, right? Updating, modernizing NAFTA. But on the really contentious points, not a lot of headway has been made. Yeah. Well, that was our podcast for this week. Haley, if somebody wants to find you on social media, where should they go? They can find me at Haley Wooden. They can also find both of our stories and reach out to us via BIV.com. What about you? I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. And that's it for this week's Business in Vancouver podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Manning, Elliott Accountants, and Business Advisors. Now you can find more podcast radio shows over at BIV.com. We're also on iTunes. That's it for this week. We'll be back next time.